Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 Podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Path 11 podcast. My guest today is no stranger to the Path 11 podcast. She has been on here quite a few times, and she happens to be one of my good friends, co-worker, mentor. Her name, again, is Kelly Doherty. If you have not already listened to a few of the other podcasts, if you haven't and you're new to our podcast and you're looking for some grief resources, I highly recommend you go back in our archive and take a look at some of those interviews that I have done with her, because we're going to talk a little bit about something different today. We're going to talk about a topic called disenfranchised grief and pet loss, which is something that isn't really covered that much. And maybe Kelly can speak to that a little bit. And as many of you know, I am working on a book, a collaborative book with 25 other authors called The Grief Experience, and that is all due to Kelly. She is the one who has been bringing us all together. We're kind of launching our series of these podcasts for the grief experience with hers because she is the lead author in this whole experience. And and I would just want to tell you a little bit more about her before I bring her on if you haven't heard of her before or listened to the other podcasts. So Kelly Doherty is the owner of Greater Life Grief Counseling and the Center for Informed Grief in Malta, New York. With over two decades of experience and a distinguished fellow in phantology, Kelly is a true expert in grief counseling. Her personal journey through teenage grief inspires her to dedicate her career to helping children and adults navigate their own grief journeys. Kelly is a co-author of the books Holistic Mental Health and Brave Kids, and she has developed innovative grief and loss programs, including Healing Strides. Beyond counseling, she also trains therapists and school personnel in grief-informed approaches. Through her unwavering dedication, Kelly empowers individuals to navigate their grief experiences with compassion and resilience. So Kelly, welcome back to the Path 11 podcast. Thank you for having me again. I'm excited to be here and excited to talk about the book. Me too. So why don't you, for people who maybe who don't know you and haven't been listening this year, why don't you kind of explain to them how this whole book process came to be back when you were working with Laura Mazada? who was also a really cool person that I interviewed on the podcast. She is also a mental health provider and she looks into the Akashic Records. So there's another episode you guys might want to check out. But she kind of inspired Kelly to join a book and now Kelly inspired me. So give us a little bit of background of how this all came to be. So I've always wanted to write a grief and loss book. That has been something that I've always thought about. I've started writing it and then I put it away. And then years later, I bring it back out and I start writing it. But it just always felt so daunting and big and like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. And Laura Mazada saw, saw a video of me talking about healing strides and was like, oh, I need to reach out to her. And so she reached out to me and invited me to be part of Holistic Mental Health, which was a book that came out in October of last year. and. It was such a great opportunity because I just had to write one chapter. And so I felt like I could handle that. And I was able to tell my grief story, my personal grief story from when my mom died when I was 14. 
and was able to be able to share that with the world. And it was such an amazing experience to be part of holistic mental health personally and professionally. It really kind of was a catalyst for a lot of other things. I Shortly after that, I started Center for Informed Grief. Healing Strides has now become an LLC. So we're excited to be able to bring Healing Strides to the world in the future. And so I just felt like I wanted to still do more and spoke to Laura DeFranco from Brave Healer Productions a couple of times about doing a grief and loss book, but got nervous. And you and I talked about it, got nervous, right? And then I had a phone call with Laura Mazzotta and she's like, Kelly, you just need to do this. And I was like, I don't know. I have this email and it's been sitting in my email box for like weeks and I just don't know if I want to do it. And so I said, I want to because I love grief and loss, obviously, but I don't love all the books that are out there about grief and loss. I'm actually quite picky and I usually pick each grief book apart and I'm like, well, I like this part, but I don't like this part. And so why not be able to bring a book out there that can help so many different types of grief, not just, you know, bereavement, right? So the grief experience is going to have a wide range of different grief experiences and different types of grief and with really vulnerable personal stories and then tools to be able to help people. And that's really kind of what I love. I love tools. I love being able to help my clients. I'm not that kind of therapist that just kind of sits there and listens. I am. I love to be able to give actual things that can help them feel better and move through their grief in a different way. So that's where we're at. And I'm so excited about this. A little nervous, but can't wait to read everybody's chapter. And I can't wait to get it out to the world because I truly believe it is going to help so many people on their own grief experience. Yeah. So when you say you're a little picky about grief books, uh, you were also very picky about who you brought onto this project. So can you also describe what your process was in actually interviewing interested people to become an author on this and why you selected the 25 that you did? And we're probably going to hear, we're going to have on the Pap 11 podcast, I think around maybe 14 or 15 of them. We weren't able to get everybody recorded in time. So I also want you guys to understand who some of these people are and why Kelly said yes to them and why she thought they had some value. So what was the whole process to be selected to be part of this book? So on Thanksgiving Day, we were driving out to my in-laws to celebrate the day with them. And I wrote down a list of all of the different types of grief that I really wanted in this book because I didn't want it to just be everybody with a similar story to me. I really wanted to be able to, whoever picks up this book is going to be able to relate to at least one of those authors in it. And so I put out some you know, reached out to friends and family and put it out on social media and some therapist groups and started meeting with people. I think I met with over 50 people and through Zoom and just kind of talked to them, talked about them about the process, what they would be willing to talk about, what they, what type of grief they wanted to talk about and kind of make sure that it was fitting into most of the categories. Obviously, there's so many more. I could, there probably could be multiple volumes of this book with even more types of grief. But I do think we have a really good basis of different types of grief and a lot of different, Every I really truly believe you're going to be able to relate to at least one of the author's stories in this book. And so, yeah, so I have, there's about 10 of us from the Saratoga County region that's in the book. A lot of friends, some people I didn't know so well that are going to be part of it. So that's been fun to get to know them through this process. And then the rest of the authors are all over the world or all over the country, I should say. You know, we've got Oregon, we've got Arizona, Chicago, California. Um, so it's really exciting that it's going to be really a 
wide range of people and experiences. So when you were making that list of the different types of of deaths that can happen, and you had to narrow it down to 25, can you give our listeners just a little introduction to the different types of, you know, deaths and type of grief that's going to be covered in this book? So we have several people that are writing about parental loss, having a parent die. Some are talking about traumatic grief. And um, we have somebody talking about an overdose loss. We have, there's a couple of really fun chapters, that, not fun, I guess, but but for me, I think it's going to be really interesting and unique is we have Elena Bullock, who is going to be writing about infertility from a female perspective. And then we have George Garcia, who's going to be writing about infertility from a male perspective. And then we have some other authors that are writing about child loss and infant loss. And so really being able to see that wide range of grief, we have people talking about divorce and end of relationships. And I'm going to be writing about disenfranchised grief and pet loss because I don't think that's always talked about enough. And I already told my mom's story and holistic mental health, so I didn't want to completely repeat myself in this book. I wanted it to be a little different, but I do feel like we have a good range. And, you know, you might not relate to everybody in the book. And that's okay. But, you know, the next chapter you may be able to, and everybody is very, I feel like has different beliefs about grief and loss, has um, different beliefs about, you know, even what happens when somebody dies and what grief looks like. Um, I did make sure that none of the authors are going to be talking about the stages of grief because that was a big thing I did not want in this book because we know the five stages is inaccurate and unhelpful. And so I really wanted to be able to give really good information that is going to be helpful and accurate. Awesome. Yeah. So, and I've had just such a great time getting to meet the authors and bringing them on the podcast and and talking to them and learning about their grief and their stories. So I think the other really interesting thing about this book too is, you know, when people go through a certain type of loss, they're usually going and searching for and looking for a book on that specific one. But, you know, as human beings, we experience so many different types of loss, which is also kind of covered in this book. So it's kind of like when you have this book, it's a great reference because it covers so many different ones, you know, so you could almost buy this book as an introductory to finding out the type of loss that you want to learn about, or maybe the one that you're experiencing. And then you can go out and find something more specific on that one. But it's going to cover a huge range of of grief and loss. Yeah. And I also think the great thing is, is you may be able to relate to one author because it's yours, close to your grief story, but maybe reading the other chapters is going to be able to help you with somebody else who you know in your in your life that's grieving. And maybe you never understood kind of their grief and it might give you a better perspective of what they're going through. Yeah, absolutely. So you did experience a loss this year, uh, a member of your family uh, transitioned, made its transition. And uh, so I'd like you to talk a little bit about that because that is part of the inspiration for the chapter that you are also going to be writing about. Yes. So my husband and I do not have children, as you know, and but we have two pups. When I met my husband, he had Boomer and PJ already, and I had actually had gone through a pet loss about 10 months before I met Kevin. I had a retired racing greyhound named Tally. She was my first dog I've ever had. And she was she was amazing. And I still miss her so much today. But I wasn't really ready for another dog after that because I was still grieving the loss of Tally. And I felt like I needed to give myself that space and time. 
And then I met Kevin and he already had two pups and immediately I fell in love with them and they've become my babies. And I'm so grateful that I've had this time with them and all these nine years with them. And so about two years ago, our boomer, who's a Boston Terrier, he's now 15 and a half, he started having some health issues. So we started seeing a really decline in his mobility and his behaviors. And we really have been kind of anticipating Boomer dying first. And then right after Christmas, PJ, all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, took a turn for the worse. I came home one night from work and Kevin said, something's not right with him and started having blood in the stool that night and woke up the next morning. I was supposed to go meet some friends down at the Bronx Zoo for a Christmas outing. And I was like, there was something in me that said, I don't think I should go. And I came home from my doctor's appointment that morning and PJ just continued to decline that that day. And, and we're standing outside and PJ couldn't walk anymore. And Kevin looked up at me and said, it, it, it's time. And as difficult as making that phone call was, it was what we needed to do. And so we spent the next, you know, 24 hours cuddling him and loving him and saying our goodbyes and letting him and Boomer sit together on the couch and look at each other and kind of say their goodbyes as well. And we used an at-home vet who was phenomenal and she came to our home the next day and we watched PJ transition extremely peacefully. PJ had an attitude problem to say the least. He didn't like most people except for us. And so we were quite nervous about bringing somebody into our home that he didn't know and what his reaction was. But she brought some cheese in a can and that seemed to be okay with PJ. He gave her a little bit of attitude, but not so much. And, you know, following that, um, I was reminded what those early days of grief feel like. And it had been a while since I had experienced that and reminded how much it sucks, how exhausting it is, crying yourself to sleep at night, not feeling like anyone gets it. And disenfranchised grief is a grief that's not always accepted by society. It is pet loss is, I think, one of those big ones that people minimize. Oh, it's just... It's just a pet or it's just a dog. You can get another one. Oh, when are you going to get another one? Not realizing how much of our time and our energy has been devoted to these two pups. You know, my husband and I, because of PJ's attitude, he wasn't welcome back at our, at the local boarding place. And so we really haven't, we've had our life on hold for many years taking care of these boys. And I travel separately and Kevin travels separately. And because we love them and it's not, out of like feeling bad that we can't do these things. We love those boys and we want to give them the life that they deserve. And so we made a lot of, you know, changes to our life. And and that was okay with us. But it was really interesting. All of our friends know that. They know our lives have revolved around the boys and us going home at certain times and taking care of them and all that. But it was really interesting to see the lack of support that we received overall. There was a lot of initial check-in, but not a lot of long-term follow-through. And I was quite angry, to be honest. And so a couple of days after PJ died, I just kind of took the day to myself. And I laid around. I did what I tell my clients to do. And I leaned into my grief. And I sat with it. And I got out my laptop. And I just started writing. And I wrote, it's raw. And it's ugly. 
And so I've taken a lot of that and <laughs> tweaked it a lot and taken maybe some of the bitterness and anger out of it. And that's what my chapter is going to be about is that experience with saying goodbye to PJ and what it feels like in our life now without him. Thankfully, Boomer is still here, but it's, it's only time, you know, before he, we have to say goodbye to him as well. He's 15 and a half. So we're grateful for the time, but his life is, is not easy as, as it was a few years ago. He's, you know, sleeps most of the time and. And we have to carry them in and out of the house. And some people think that we're doing too much and that it's not fair to Boomer, but Boomer still has a lot of life in him, a lot of love to give. And we know, we'll know when it's time. Right. Absolutely. And do you think people check in less when there is a pet loss compared to a human being that has died in a person's life? Absolutely. And I think, unfortunately, what I tell most of my clients is initially following a loss, that support's usually great. But it only takes usually a few months for even when somebody has a, a spouse die, you start to see a decline in the level of support. That seems to be pretty much the case. Not always, obviously, if anybody's listening, they're like, but I don't uh, like that's great if you don't do that. But the majority of people definitely do see a decline. And I think pet loss is one of those things that it is that disenfranchised. Oh, you'll be fine. You're, you know, you'll get over this. You still have Boomer or, you know, you can get another dog. And yes, at some point, Kevin and I will absolutely get another pup because we have a lot of love in our hearts and we want one. But right now our focus is, is Boomer. And I do think it's just it's just minimized, you know, and our pets, they're always there. And I truly believe they love us unconditionally, maybe more than some people in our life. Because you know what? You can walk out to go get the mail and come back in and their tails wagging and they're so happy to see you like you've been gone for days. And they are the best teachers of mindfulness because they're always in the present moments, right? <laughs> and they can teach us so much and just love us so unconditionally. Yeah, it really is, I think, a different type of loss. I know I've had quite a few people that I've sat across from say that sometimes their pet loss was even harder than losing some people in their families or that they were shocked at their reaction, that they were grieving, you know, so deeply. And even them saying, because it's just an animal, it's just a dog, you know, but there is just a great difference of animals compared to the humans. And they like love us. They're so happy to see us every single time we come home. There's no criticism. I mean, like we are perfect in their eyes. So, mm -hmm. you know, I can only imagine that 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 love and that feeling and that loss will always feel different than a human being, you know, yeah. than losing yeah. a human. It does. Absolutely. And, you know, there's things, you know, I meet afterwards, I reached out to animal mediums and all. I just wanted like some validation that PJ was still with us. And there's nights, both Kevin and I have nights where we wake up, think that I could feel PJ at the bottom of the bed because the last year of his life, I let him sleep in the bed, which we hadn't done before that. But Kevin went away and came home and he was in the bed. <laughs> and but and there's still some times where I think I hear him bark. And, you know, it's it's interesting. I mean, if you walk into our house, we have a, a huge poster, a picture of PJ and Boomer on our wall because they they are our babies. They were our little guys. And so I am, it's just, it's, you know, it's, it. the grief has been interesting. It's been obviously very different than when my mom died. But, you know, in the very beginning, it was, it was tough. It was hard. And we can't go to the grocery store without picking up a can of pumpkin and looking at each other and saying, oh, PJ loved his pumpkin or, you know, telling our 
all of his little nicknames that we had. And I created a scrapbook of pictures of him. And that was just kind of my way to spend some time leaning into my grief and acknowledging that because I think it's important. Yeah, nice. And so I am curious to know about the animal communicator. I don't know if I, I, I feel like I might've had one or two animal communicators maybe on the podcast. I'm not sure. But what was that experience like? Because I know that you've been to mediums before, right? And you've connected yes. with your mom. So yeah, what was that like? What kind of questions did you have? What did they say? Is there an afterlife for dogs? I mean, what did you learn through that experience? So unfortunately, they weren't like readings like a medium. They were kind of you send a picture and they sent you back a written thing. So that I didn't get to really ask questions. Um, I read a couple of different books and I can't remember what her name is. I may be Karen Anderson. I think something like that. But I really enjoyed her books about the afterlife for pups and how they maybe will come back to us. And um, so, you know, I, I don't I think I was looking for very something very specific. I've wanted something like, give me something like really concrete so I know that you're telling me the truth. Half of it was good. Half of it was very generic in my opinion. So I think I also was just at that point, it was such early grief. You're just kind of searching and you're just hoping. And so you will just take anything that you get. And so I would be interested in trying it again, maybe more of a one-on-one reading just to see what comes up. Right. Maybe in person too, or, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people, when a person, you know, dies, they're also faced with their belongings. Like, what do they do with their belongings? How long do they keep it? And I think that's the same thing for pet owners, too. It's like, you know, you may have, you know, the collar be cremated or, you know, stuff like that or a favorite toy. So do you have any suggestions or what did you do? Like, you know, I'm sure PJ had a bed, had a favorite toy, a blanket, his bowl. I mean, like all of these things that are around the house that are connected to our animals. And, you know, what what do we do with them? Well, it's interesting you say that because Kevin, like the night that PJ died, was started putting away those things. And I didn't like that. I was pissed. I was like, <laughs> stop. And I told him, I said, when Boomer dies, like, you're not doing that. Like, you need to give me some time like I need like I had even after Tally died I moved and I still hung Tally's collar up like where she like at the front door so like I was like "Mm." so what I wound up doing was I got a nice wooden box that I painted and I got a local DIY store to make me a little um, silhouette of PJ and I put that on top of the box and I filled it with some of his favorite toys and his collar and different things like that. And obviously now we're, we have PJ's ashes up above our cabinets next to Tally's ashes. And we've, I made some special photos and my nephew actually, this was the most amazing thing. PJ died on a Thursday and Cass, my nephew came over that Sunday and he's a very talented artist. And he came over with a picture that he drew of PJ for us. And um, actually, I'm looking at it and I have it as my background on my second screen here in my office. And just the time and energy that he put into that and the meaning behind it. And so that's hung up on our wall now. And just that just meant so much to us and was so amazing. So those things. And then, like I mentioned, like I did the scrapbook, I went on and we wrote down all of his nicknames because he had like a ton of nicknames. I get it's so interesting how many nicknames we give to our pets. I know. Um, <laughs> And so we've got those in the, like I did on, you know, like one of the online programs. So I put the, the 
the nicknames in there, some of his, a lot of pictures and things that he enjoyed playing with. And so that was really helpful for me. That was what I really needed to do was to spend that time really reflecting on those memories that we created with him. So I really would encourage people to do that. Like find what works for you. Maybe it is, you know, you have to put things away sooner than later, but there's no timetable on that. So you have to do what's right for you. And sometimes what I suggest is even if you do put that stuff away, maybe don't get rid of it because there might be a time down the road that if you get rid of stuff too soon, you might regret that. Yeah. So maybe hang on to it to a while when maybe you're not in like the early stages of grief, exactly. not overly exactly. emotional. But this brings up a good point, you know, like you wanted the stuff around, Kevin was ready to clean it up. So that kind of speaks to the different way people do grieve or, absolutely, you know, how each individual in the house could grieve a little bit differently or approach mm-hmm. it. And yeah. so it sounds like you guys kind of talked about it and the stuff got left out. That's pretty much, yep. <laughs> I mean, a few things, but like his bowl, but it's, I know exactly where it is still. And, you know, PJ, he had a chair in our house. We called it the King PJ chair. He had little, sta- he was a little Karen Terrier, 16 pounds. So he had stairs that went up to his chair and that was King PJ chair. I mean, None of us have ever sat in that chair before. <laughs> so, <laughs> obviously, that chair is there now still. And I sit in it. I'm like, wow, this is really comfortable. No one <laughs> it was here. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's so cool. Um, and then what was the other thing? Oh, I also wanted to ask you too. Like, so do you have any suggestions, recommendations? Because I know that we've talked about this when uh, the humans that we love transition and pass away and you've kind of have given us some great suggestions on some of the other podcasts, things not to say, things that are helpful to say. Is there any any tips that you would give around pet loss and the importance of what friends and family members can do to support those who are grieving a pet loss that maybe people don't think about because they may just assume that, you know, grieving an animal isn't as deep or intense as a human being? I think, unfortunately... Most people are going to find that they don't get the same level of support. So you might have to seek it out in other ways. So I joined a lot of Facebook groups. I'm still part of a couple. And I was able to share my story in those with people who got it. I was able to share the picture that my nephew made for me in that group. And I just felt like I felt less alone when I did that. And so I found that very beneficial. But I'm going to caution anybody that joins some of these. Some of these groups have a ton of people in them and there's like hundreds of posts every day and you can get sucked into reading all of these really sad stories and it may or may not be helpful for you, right? So asking yourself, is this helping or hurting? So maybe you join the groups, but you unfollow them. And when you want to spend some time leaning into grief, you can go in there and read them and things like that. But I think it's important to you know, that oscillation between the loss-oriented and the restoration-oriented and taking breaks from your grief sometimes. And so if you're going on social media to kind of zone out and take a break from life, and that's what your feed is all that, it might not be helpful. And so being mindful of that. Also reading books on pet loss. There are some great books out there that I've read in the past and that I've, I'm, you know, read after PJ died as well that I found helpful. And reach out to your friends that have animals that get it, like that really understand it. Because there's some people that have dogs and cats, but they don't, I know that they're not going to feel probably the same way I feel, right? And because they view their animal differently than I do. 
And so find the people that are good for you. Maybe join a pet loss group. There's a lot of them online. And I've also worked with a ton of clients on pet loss. We've done, especially depending on how the, how the pet dies, it can be traumatic. You know, fortunately, PJ went so peacefully. I really am so grateful for that. But I've heard stories where that doesn't always happen. And so I've done, you know, trauma resolution work with some clients on that, those final images, because that's not how you want to remember them. And so if that's what's happening, if you're feeling pretty traumatized from how it went down, then maybe seek out a therapist that is trained in pet loss or has experience with, because as we know, and I'm sure I've talked about on here, not all therapists are grief informed. And even if somebody's grief informed doesn't mean their pet loss grief informed as well. Mm -hmm. And they may minimize it as well. So finding somebody that does specialize Excellent. So let's also get back to the grief experience book, because the other really cool thing that's still in the works, it's still planning because we are pre-recording this in the summertime and in August of 2023, and the book is coming out in February of 2024. But Kelly also had a great idea to turn this book also into a conference where we are going to have a chance to have some of the authors present and uh, we're thinking it's probably going to be a virtual conference and Pap Love and Productions may um, also be streaming this. You know, again, like I said, you guys are going to have to keep in touch with us to see what's happening there. But do you want to talk a little bit about some of the ideas about how this book can also be turned into a grief conference that can also be very helpful for people? Uh, absolutely. So the grief experience book is the 25 authors and each chapter is going to consist of them sharing their own personal vulnerable story with a specific type of loss and grief. And then the second part of the chapter is going to be a tool, something that they can, a reader can use to help them. And maybe it's journaling, maybe it's art, maybe it's different self-care activities, maybe it's dance like Jean's going to be talking about. And so what I really wanted to do was I wanted to take things to the next level. I want us to be able to come together. I really wanted to create a community with these authors because everybody is passionate about this and excited about this. And so to build that community and to be able to offer that to our readers, to be able to offer a conference where you can hear from the authors, maybe share more about their story, maybe lead us in a dance or lead us in an art activity, just something to kind of take things to the next level. Because we, how many books do we all read, right? And there's great tools in it and then we don't use it. So I'm hoping that maybe this conference is going to get people to step outside of their comfort zone a little bit and try some new things and get to have different experiences and to hear these stories firsthand and to be able to connect with them. Because, you know, just as you started today, I mean, my eyes started to fill up with tears thinking about PJ and how to kind of dial it back. Okay, Kelly Brooks, you know, to be able to see somebody actually share it, I think, and visualize and it's just so important. And also to create that community that people aren't alone in their grief. There's so many people out there that get it and that are in the same boat, just maybe different storms. And it looks different, but there's so many things. Everybody's grief journey is so unique and different, but there's a lot of commonalities. And I'm a big believer in grief groups. I love my grief groups. They're, I enjoy them. I have fun with them. But I think it's something about being able to come together and know that the other people get it. And so that's really what I'm hoping with the conference is for people to feel less alone in their grief 
to be able to can maybe connect with the, the authors to hear their stories and to try out some new techniques that might be able to help them on their grief process. Oh, great. So I'm also going to put you on the spot a little bit. I didn't tell you that we were going to do this. The idea just came to me now. So I I think this might be a nice podcast because you're kind of leading off. We've taken a break a little bit from the PAP 11 podcast. So for those of you who have been wondering, what's going on? Where are their podcasts? How come there's been such a big break here? But part of it has been pre-recording a bunch of these interviews for the grief experience. And then the other thing I think some of you guys have heard me mention the summer is that Mike and I are working on a documentary and Kelly's also been interviewed for that on after-death communication. So we have been in uh, post-production. We were filming a lot this year and, uh, you know, it's just Mike and I, so we can only do so much plus work a full-time job. So I do apologize for a little bit of the break that's been going on for the Pavlovin podcast, but we are back. We're going to be bringing you um, some weekly or bi-weekly podcasts here. And a lot of it is going to be pretty heavy on the grief experience. So I kind of want to, um, you know, go through some of the authors, Kelly, and maybe you can give uh, a couple of things about why you chose them, how you know them, and the specific type of grief that they are going to touch upon. And okay. maybe we can start with maybe one of the easiest and Sherry Davies. Mm-hmm. So why did you want her in the book besides the fact that she is your best friend, one of your best friends? <laughs> so Sherry is experiencing anticipatory grief. Her husband, Chris, has younger onset Alzheimer's and has been dealing with that for the past several years. And I've watched Sherry over the years really become an advocate for Alzheimer's research, to be really a spokesperson for our local Alzheimer's Association, and to be able to share this story because Chris is is an awesome guy. And to see him at such a young age be dealing with this battle and this struggle. But we don't always see that. We tend to think of Alzheimer's as something that's um, somebody that's older that experienced it. Chris is, I think, 55, you know, and he's had it for several years. It's scary to think about. And the anticipatory grief that she's going through, Sherry, and knowing that at some point he is going, he's going to die and probably much sooner than she ever anticipated. So I really wanted her to be able to talk about that anticipatory grief because I do think that is extremely important and something a lot of people go through with a variety of different illnesses and diseases. Yeah. So that's, you know, all all of these stories, all these people that we're going to go through right now, it's going to be pretty, just pretty extraordinary. But I wanted to give you listeners a little bit of a teaser of the stories and the podcasts that are coming up. So let's also go to um, Kathleen... Banneke, how do you know this author and what is she going to be talking about? So I'm going to still call her Mrs. Banneke because that is what feels right to me. But when I was 12 years old, I met Mrs. Banneke. She was a neighbor of mine. Another family friend of ours introduced me and I started babysitting for her. And quickly, she became very good friends with my mom. And Mrs. Banneke became like a second mom to me and was there for me during after my mom died pretty in a really important big way and there for my father as well. I don't talk a lot about this, but my father was an alcoholic when I was a child and he stopped drinking after my mom died at the urge of me. I basically wrote him a letter and said that if he didn't stop drinking, I was going to run away. And I was very serious about that. And my father did agree to stop drinking. 
But Mrs. Banneke was very instrumental in helping him and supporting him. My dad has been in recovery now for 28 years and been in AA for 26 years. And I'm extremely proud of him, but I don't believe that he would be where he's at today without Mrs. Banneke's support. Lovely. And so Mrs. Banneke had a dear friend, Jean, who I knew well as well and really adored her. She was a, a lovely soul. And she died a few years ago. And Mrs. Banneke's story is like going to be maybe a little different than some of the other stories because she's talking about the power of miracles. And her daughter had a pretty si- significant health crisis as a child that left her with some chronic pain for many years of her life. And Jean Marie died. And the day after she died, Mrs. Banneke's daughter's pain went away, just disappeared. And she was her daughter's godmother, Jean Marie was. And so Mrs. Banneke feels very strongly that, that Jean Marie was able to help that, help that for her daughter. And so she's going to talk about also, I think, the grief of losing her best friend as well but also the power of miracles and her belief in prayer that she feels that is so important to her. Yeah, it's a pretty cool story. So let's go on to a little bit about Susan Settler. So Susan is somebody that I used to supervise at my last agency job. And Susan is a wonderful, is a wonderful person. She, I, I just adore Susan. And Susan's husband, Rob, died from lung cancer several years ago. And so she's going to be talking about that. And Susan has experienced a lot of loss in her life. She's had a lot of different kinds of losses. And we always talked about that. And then Rob got sick and died very quickly. I think within six months, Rob died. And Rob Rob was awesome. I loved Rob. Rob was a big Florida State fan, just like where I went to college. And so we kind of bonded over that at different fundraisers and things like that. And so Susan's going to be sharing about her her grief experience of going through these losses, but then also dealing with the loss of a spouse and how different and and how hard that was for her. Jean Truella, we we both recently met over the course of the past couple of years working together. Yeah. So Jean is in our complex. I think we're taking over this complex here in Malta. <laughs> and Jean is going to tell the story of her child that that died. And from her child's death, she embraced journey dance and utilizes dance as a way to help process her grief. And I think from what it sounds like, Jean wants to do a whole dance as part of the conference for people to be able to step out of their comfort zone. April and I did one of her journey dances back probably in the fall, I guess it was at this point. And it was a focus on grief and loss. And it was really interesting. The grief that came up for me was not what I expected. It was, but it was pretty powerful. And definitely out of my comfort zone. (laughs) Yeah. So she's going to be sharing about that. Yeah. Yeah. I was so proud of us that we did it. It was so uncomfortable through the whole entire thing. And I'm like, thank God Kelly feels equally as comfortable because it it wasn't easy. But I Well, and Sherry was in her element. Oh, Sherry is a dancer. She was like, yeah, you and I are like, oh God, okay, what's going on? So I have the chance to meet this next author because we all got together for a happy hour and to meet Brittany Nelson. What what a little whip she is. She is so much fun. Um, Are you talking about Brittany DeMarco? Oh, I'm sorry. Brittany DeMarco. Sorry. Yes. Let's go with Brittany DeMarco. We have two Brittany's. We have a couple of Karen. We've got a lot of similar (laughs) names in the book. Yeah. So Brittany is, boy, 
non-traditional funeral home director, right? Mm -hmm. And I, she's a local funeral home. She works at a local funeral home, family funeral home. And she reached out to me because they were looking for some great resources when I met her, you know, totally not at all what I expected. And we had like a blast getting to know each other. And she's just got so much energy. And so she's going to be writing about the experience of growing up in a funeral home and being, you know, a young adult funeral director and not really what you would probably think of if you were to walk into her funeral home. You know, you'd expect some probably older guy in a suit and not somebody with such great personality. And but I can tell she's extremely compassionate to the families that she works with. And so I'm super excited that she's going to be a part of this. And I'm so excited. I can't wait to hear her, her podcast interview as well. Yeah, it was great. We had a really intense conversation and she was, you know, able to share because I was really able to connect with her about, I believe it was the loss of, it might have been her her aunt, her great aunt. I think I accidentally said it was a grandmother, but I think it was the great aunt, but she had a loss. So we were able to really connect about not being able to view the body of our loved ones and, mm-hmm. you know, what that was like and what that was like for her, you know, being a funeral director and so that we kind of... It's probably a, a podcast that I might have to have a trigger warning on because we got pretty deep into some of the funeral directing stuff and, you know, what happens to dead bodies and why sometimes we can't view them and things like yeah. that. But yeah, it was really great to hear her perspective and what it was like growing up, you know, with being a child, like just living in a funeral home. And this, this yeah, thing is, yeah, um, yeah, that, that's a lot of fun. Let's go to the other Brittany, Brittany Nelson now. So Brittany is going to be sharing a little something different, and she's going to be sharing about the death of a client. And as a therapist, I worked at hospice. I worked at two different hospices. So obviously, when you work at hospice, you kind of get used to having clients die. It's kind of what's going to happen, right? But then also in my own personal career, I've had several clients die. I had one just a couple of years ago. Couldn't get in touch with her. Had to reach out to her emergency contact, and she had died suddenly. And you know, we're expected to just kind of hold it together and then just go see the next client. And so she's going to be sharing about and really vulnerable and brave, in my opinion, to be talking about this because it isn't something that's talked about at all. Right. And how difficult it can be because here you are, you're really alone in your grief, especially when it when it's a client. You can't share that really with you know, the family and everybody else in your life. And so it's something you have to navigate on your own. And it's, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I experienced that for the first time a couple of years ago with the woman that I sat with, my God, for almost like eight years, you know, and and luckily for me, I'm still in contact with her daughter. So I have, you know, a way to be able to still connect with her. But, you know, like as a therapist, we still hold their confidentiality. It's it's a bizarre thing to feel where you sat with this person hearing the most intimate details of their lives and knowing exactly. the ins and outs and, you know, from beginning to end. And the reason why this client came in had nothing to do with her physical health or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and then to be able to experience that, I would say this is also a form of disenfranchised grief, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Because Absolutely. a lot of Absolutely. people aren't thinking about the therapist's grief and... You know, and and I feel like I'm sure you would agree too. Like all of my clients have taught me something. You know, it's like you care about them, and then it's like, where do I put my grief after this this client? You know, passes. But um, I'm lucky enough where I still have t- I'm in touch with 
her daughter and her niece is one of my Reiki students. So, you know, we still have that connection. But yeah, that it's a tough one. It's a tough one for therapists, for sure. It is. Absolutely. All right. And I really don't think I've ever seen anything really written about it out there either. No, I I don't either. So, all right. That might be our next one. All right. Moving along, you also invited a medium to this book, Deb Castell. Uh huh. Exactly. Yes. So Deb had reached out to me a while ago. She was looking for a good local grief resource for the people that she works with that maybe after the reading wanted some additional grief counseling. So she's been a really big supporter of Greater Life Grief Counseling and gotten to know her a little bit better over some different things. And she's actually moving into our space. April moved on out of our space, but into a bigger and better and beautiful space, just a couple doors down so I can still walk over there. And so Deb's going to be joining us in our office space. And it's, I really wanted a medium in there. That was something that I thought was really important because not everybody believes in it. And I get that. And, but I have found comfort in the readings that I've had. And I know a lot of my clients have, and it's something that comes up a ton. I don't think you can work with grief and loss and not talk about afterlife and what somebody believes and always meet them where they're at, obviously. But there's a lot of people that are always seeking out uh, a medium because they want some answers and getting some validation and support. And so I'm really excited to hear her story and what has led her to become a medium and then the tools that she's going to be able to share with us. Yeah. And also, you know, part of her conversation too is like, what is it like to be a medium and also have somebody in the afterlife? You know, it's mm-hmm. like doing this for a job, but then she also has somebody in the afterlife as exactly. well. Exactly. Yeah. All right. We also have Amy Linder Lesser. Yes. So she is a local person to us here in Saratoga. And Amy really has quite an interesting story of was a social worker and then managed a bed and breakfast and then made a shift out of that and got into grief coaching. And she's got a lot of different, I don't even know if Amy has decided yet at this point what grief she's going to talk about because there's so many different areas she's talked about. She is, her husband had died. She has talked about possibly talking about her best friend that had died. Also talking about some family members undergoing or going through some gender transitions and the grief associated with that for the family. And so I'm really interested to hear what she finally picks when we start writing. But so she's a a local grief coach here and definitely think that there's not enough people out there to support people on the grief and loss journey. So excited to have her part of this. Yeah, absolutely. How about Rebecca Johnson? So Rebecca, she is going to be talking about traumatic loss and going to be talking about witnessing a friend that has died and going through the experience and something, you know, traumatic grief is, is very difficult, is very different than, you know, maybe anticipated loss. And I'm actually doing a training right now, working on a training for University of Buffalo on traumatic grief and just all the differences that somebody may experience. And so to be able to have her shed some light on that experience and what that was like for her, I think is going to be really powerful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we we had, you know, we we could connect a little bit because some of her traumatic loss was yeah. similar to my mom's with a vehicle accident and, you know, her witnessing. So yeah, that that's a that's a hold on to your seat podcast one. We also have Karen White. And 
So Karen is going to be talking about um, grief overload. And what that basically means is that when you experience multiple losses in a short amount of time, like you, you don't even have chance to kind of grieve and process one and then another one happens. And then you're just compounded, this compounding of grief and how difficult that can be. And having, trying to figure out how to navigate like, okay, I'm leaning into my grief for this one, but I also have to lean into my grief for this one. And just how completely exhausting and emotional that is for somebody. So I'm looking forward to hearing her share about her multiple losses. Yeah. I mean, my cousin has gone through that too, has made me very concerned. Like, you know, her mom had passed away and then my mom passes away tragically. And she had like a couple of other animals that had died during this time. I think there were a couple of friends, other family members on her dad's side. She had switched jobs. The job that she had been working at for like over 15 years had to close its doors. And then then her therapist dies in the middle. Oh my gosh. Yes. And then Ooh, her Rottweiler just, just died like a couple of weeks ago. Boom. I mean, talk about compounded mm-hmm. grief just over and mm-hmm. over again. So yeah. I'm sending her Lucy Holmes resilience grieving book. Um, make sure it's the newest edition. Okay. It just came out because Lucy has made some changes to it, which I'm very happy about. Okay, she cool. has taken out um, the stages of grief from her book. Because now after having experienced grief for, you know, about eight years since her daughter died, she understands grief differently and better and understands how the stage theory is not helpful. And so that was one of her biggest motivating forces for doing a new edition for her book was to get that out of there. So I'm thrilled about that because that's a big thing for me. You know, I I could get on my soapbox about the stages. Awesome. Yeah. Yes. And she, well, never enough. There's a spoil alert and we don't know yet. And I don't know if we're supposed to say, but Lucian might have a part in this book. We're hoping. Crossed. We'll see. Fingers and toes crossed. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we got just a couple more people to introduce to our, our listeners here. We have a Tiffany Rogers who's going to be joining the show that I have the chance to interview. So how did you meet Tiffany? So Tiffany. California. She's all yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So Tiffany's going to be talking about grief due to a divorce and end of a relationship and definitely something that can cause a significant amount of grief, grief for what you envisioned your future to be with your spouse and grief for the past. And so she's going to, I've gotten to, we're not supposed to be writing yet, but mm-hmm. I maybe have seen a little bit of her chapter so far and it's really, it's, it's really pretty powerful. Awesome. Cheryl Nix is also going to be a guest on the podcast. And so she is going to be talking about sudden loss and traumatic grief, and especially as a teenager and what that looks like and all of going through that and where she's at now with her own grief and loss journey. And then our next guest uh, that we have on, she was a lot of fun to talk to. I loved her her last name, if I can pronounce it. It's Christy. Capriglione. Oh. <laughs> she's Italian. So I love saying that name. She was a lot of fun. So Chrissy and I, I believe if I'm remembering correctly, we met because What's Your Grief? What'sYourGrief.com, they have a professional group for grief counselors. And so I'm a part of it. And I believe Christy's part of it. And we connected because of Healing Strides, because 
what Christy does is she wanted to make the transition into full-time private practice to focus on grief and loss. When I met her, she hadn't quite done that and now has. And she does grief groups with hiking. She takes people out hiking to process their grief. And so she kind of wanted to pick my brain about healing strides. And so we connected over that and message each other and ask each other questions. And she got trained in progressive counting a few months ago, which I recommended. And so it was really exciting to see her be able to get out and do just grief and loss work, which is what she's really passionate about. But she's going to be talking about anticipatory grief as well due to parent loss. Yes. And, and then I actually am going to be speaking to this next guest, pre-recording it after you, Carol Miller. And she might have changed uh, what she was doing because I think she is uh, going to be speaking about perinatal loss and how common it is in infant death. Yeah, so Carol went through a lot. In a very short amount of time, she experienced the, the death of two infants shortly after they were born. Mm-hmm. And so she's going to be sharing that. And I think there's, I think, you know, that is definitely something that doesn't always also get as much attention, or I think it also could probably be considered a disenfranchised grief on some level as well, especially I think stillborn her, she did deliver her, her, I think they were both boys and they, and they died shortly after, after birth. So, but that is something like I can't, I can't even, that has to be so incredibly challenging and difficult and to have gone through it not once, but twice mm-hmm. and talk about grief overload again, you know, so Absolutely. yeah, I'm sure and, hers might be a little heavy as well. Yeah, that's all right. I can handle it. I like the public stuff. I like the deep stuff. And then last but not least, there is Kelly keeps saying, oh, we should interview you, April, because you're writing a chapter, but I we guess you would. You can explain. So I'm going to be an author too, and I'm going to write a chapter. And I still don't know what I'm going to do yet. But so why did you decide to ask me? What what were you hoping maybe I'd write on? (laughs) Well, I mean, I think you could go very many different directions. But obviously, I think, you know, I've watched you over the past few years since your mom died. And to see that what you've gone through and experienced and leaning into your own grief and, you know, really transforming and blossoming and Oh, you and I, I always loved that you and I can connect about grief and loss because not everybody is as passionate about it as I am. And been so grateful that we've been able to connect and collaborate on grief retreats together and to have had you part of Healing Strides. And so, you know, I just wanted, I felt like it was really important. I really wanted you to be able to share that story because I also know how powerful and helpful it is to be able to share that. Um, not always easy. Right. You know, when I wrote Holistic Mental Health, I was a bit of a hot mess after writing it. But I think it will be good for you too to kind of, you know, lean into it a little bit with that as well. But also, I mean, I think, you know, you have embraced art as a way to help you with your grief and to see the transformation with your art and where you've gone with that. And then also the sound healing as well is so powerful and so beneficial. And so I'm excited and curious to see what you're going to be writing about. So no, I do, don't. Do tell. Do tell. I don't know. I mean, the initial thing was, you know, the art and the high frequency healing art, the kind of the technique that I developed after taking a class and understanding more about the map of consciousness and the frequency of grief and 
and how our emotions actually carry frequencies. And, you know, so that was fascinating. But now I'm like so immersed in the sound healing world too and the sound waves and we are sound and, you know, what that can do and where grief is stored in our body and how sound can actually help us to move that up and out. And then let's also talk about all the energy work that I've done with people who are creeping too and how, you know, energy work can shift and change the way that grief can heal and I know you've referred a couple of people my way, so I'm sure you've heard some of the testimonials of what happens in yeah. some of my sessions. Yeah, absolutely. You know, people have left feeling a little bit lighter, you know? So, yeah, so I don't know. I know we're going to start writing in September. It's August now. Who knows? But I know that you will guide me. You will help me. And it's going to be awesome and wonderful. So I just want to really thank you for including me and uh, allowing me to also give back and have all these authors on the podcast. Yes, and thank you. you know, really want this to be, you know, successful for all of us. It's something I believe in. You know, I really think it's something of value. And even if I was a part of it and I didn't think it had a lot of value, I wouldn't have brought it onto the podcast. You know, I kind of feel like when I believe in something, I want to tell the whole world about himself. Really excited to have all of these people on. And I hope you guys really enjoy the next 15 weeks or so that we're going to have. We're going to bring all these beautiful, wonderful people on who are going to be sharing their stories. And, you know, this was initially why Path 11 develops. You know, Mike went through a series of almost 12 deaths in one year combined oh with friends, family, pets, co-workers. He said he was like in a funeral parlor once a month for a full year. And that prompted him to ask, is there an afterlife? What happens when people die? Because the questions that he had, his religion and what he studied was no longer answering all the questions that he had. So it feels really good to me, you know, as the podcast host to also get a little bit back to our roots of what Path 11 is about, investigating death, understanding death. I understand death and grieving and bereavement and so much more after, especially after having meeting you and getting, becoming more grief informed and educated on stuff and, and just exploring it more in like real time, you know, not just the afterlife, but you know, what, what happens when it happens here and how we as physical beings handle it and get through it. Those are the conversations that we have to talk about. So it feels really good for the next, you know, 15 weeks or so, hopefully taking us all the way up from August to February of 2024 to have all of these guests on. So Kelly, thank you so much for coming on again. You'll probably be more. And if you guys want to know more about Healing Strides, you have to listen to the other podcasts. We go into more detail about that. I do share about my personal experience with that program. It really cleared so much trauma for me. So much trauma came up during it because, you know, for those of you that know my story, I was running on a road late at night when we were training for this. PTSD, trigger, trigger, trigger. I was a mess. But Kelly helped me through it. The program helped me through it. It's wonderful. I'm so glad that she has gotten a trademark and it's an LLC. And so you definitely want to check out those other episodes. And I'm also proud of Kelly because she is now a raging presence on TikTok. I don't have a TikTok on my phone anymore because I clearly hoard a lot of pictures. And now that I've been doing art and creating videos, I have like 12,000 photos on my phone and I don't have enough storage. But I do see when you post things on your Instagram account that it has a TikTok thing. So good for you. If you guys, you know, love TikTok and that is your social media thing of choice, look her up. What's your account name? Just so people know. Kelly, the grief specialist. 
Awesome. So check that out. She is on TikTok. She is on Instagram. She is all over the world. She's on Facebook. (laughs) And uh, why don't you just also give a shout out to your websites and where people can get more information? Sure. Greater Life Grief Counseling, which is my private practice where I specialize in working with children and adults in New York, Florida, and South Carolina. And that is www.glgrief.com. Center for Informed Grief, which is my mission, is to help educate school personnel and therapists become more grief-informed and also offer some. I have grief journals on there for children. I'm doing some grief courses, and that is www.centerforinformedgrief.com. And I have a couple of Facebook groups you can join. Supporting Grieving Students is for therapists and school personnel. And then the grief empowerment group, which is to give some tools to help people who are grieving. So I'd love to have you join those. And I really want to thank you, April, for having me and for being part of this. I'm so forever grateful for everything you've done for this book and for allowing Path 11 to highlight these authors and to highlight this and to be able to help with the conference in March. And I'm forever grateful. So thank you. Yes. And thank you. And I will put these links in the show notes. We also are going to have a pre-order link for the book. We are also working on a website right now. I think people can go to my personal website, hannashealing.com slash the grief experience or grief experience. I don't remember what I called it. It'll be in the show notes. If you want a pre-order signed copy from me, I will sign it and I will ship it out to you once we get it. And then we will have links for you guys to be able to order it. It's going to be on Amazon. It is going to be the number one of the number one bestsellers on Amazon. Just letting you know, if you download it, review it. That was, it was always very helpful. And same thing with the podcast. If you guys love what you're hearing, go ahead over to iTunes, give us five stars, rate us. And then the other thing to let you guys know, we're kicking up our Patreon page again. So that's kind of been dead in the water. We do have it and we still have patrons and they have, you know, given us some donations to keep this podcast going. We're we're getting up there to almost 500 episodes. Need a little more fuel. So we're going to be putting some gems and some good stuff over on our Patreon account. And if you do find that this podcast is offering you something, if you want to make a one-time donation or become a Patreon and subscribe and do their monthly thing or whatever, that would be awesome. Appreciate it. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much. And I hope you really enjoy this next series of podcasts that are coming your way August through February. Take care of yourselves and we will talk soon. Take care, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate and review the Path 11 podcast in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, this podcast is made possible by our sponsor, Path 11 TV. Visit path11tv.com to start a seven-day free trial of exclusive video content on consciousness, healing, and life after death. That's path11tv.com. And be sure to use coupon code PODCAST30 to take 30% off your annual membership. Start satisfying your spiritual curiosity with a membership to Path 11 TV today. Bye for now.